What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Real quick before questions, we need to send a shout-out and a thank you to Brennan Marr, who joined our Patreon at the Jedi Master level this past week. Also, it was just nice to meet you, Brennan. Uh, from one former trivia champion to a current trivia champion, thank you so much. For our first question, Thwippin Gonk asks if Cal Kestis will or is part of the path. Uh, I, I'm wearing my Fallen Order shirt. I felt like we're shooting this on Wednesday the day of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was a great day for a Fallen Order fan. Uh, and yeah, I wanted to take a Cal Kestis question as our main one. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say he is not currently part of the path as of Obi-Wan Kenobi um, because they were like, no one's ever attacked the Fortress Inquisitorious before. <laughs> yeah, I imagine if he were part of it, he would tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. Someone would be like, no one's ever. And let me stop you right there. <laughs> I have. That's I loved that. No one's been stupid enough to attack it. Uh, I'm that dumb. I'm that stupid. Name's Cal Kestis. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I agree that someone would have heard about his exploits. And since they were under the impression that no one's ever done that, uh, I don't think he is currently part of the path. But I really like the idea that he has inadvertently affected the path. Because in Fallen Order, he goes to the fortress to recover a holocron uh, that will... It's got the list of Force-sensitive children on it. Mm -hmm. So when he took it back and he destroyed it, that at least made the Empire's job a lot harder. Yeah. So it, it's possible that the path was able to form because of Cal Kestis, even if he weren't directly involved. Although, now that I think about it, we could see or hear something about the path in Jedi Survivor. That's where we're heading next, yes, uh, because Gonk asks if he is currently part of the path or will he be in the future. Okay, yeah. So I'm really interested to see if there are any connections to Obi-Wan in the Fallen Order Survivor game because there could be quite a few. Yeah, there's definitely potential because, I mean, they seem to be passing connections back and forth. And I like the idea that, I mean, Kenobi has been in some level of development for so long where it was a movie and then it was a series and then they rewrote the series. And I, I think that they probably had some of these plot elements set up for a while, long enough that maybe Star Wars Jedi Survivor is like, oh, we can involve ourselves in this path thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think that there is potential for that. Uh, not to mention that thematically builds off of Fallen Order very well because of everything he did with the Holocron. Yeah, I would really love to see Tala in the game somehow. I just really love her in Obi-Wan right now. So put her in everything. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I would be down for Haja. I think I realized uh, the other night that Haja is my... Cobb Vanth for Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm like, give me more of that dude. I love him. Reese Griffiths Jenkins wants to know if Star Wars fans are prone to disliking all new Star Wars content. Sometimes. Sometimes I do think, and this I'm going to speak from my experience, that I have found a lot of times I have to watch things twice now, especially when it's something like Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, or the sequel trilogy Things where I have expectations set up in my head and have had them that way for decades in some cases where I was a big Legends fan. And so the sequel trilogy was wildly different and I just had to 
almost watch everything for the first time and then go back like that that erases the expectations and then i can go back and watch it to actually watch it Mm -hmm. yeah it i think it all depends on just if you love anything a lot like and you're just really involved in the community and and fandom and you know you read the books comics all that stuff if you're that involved in something sure like any new thing that gets added to the canon you're gonna scrutinize it a little more than you would you know any any other tv show or movie yeah and it is especially true for like i said like kenobi for example uh this is a story that we've had kenobi stories in the past that took place in between episodes three and four um this confrontation between Kenobi and Vader is something that, you know, we hear that and we start to build it up on our heads and it can only go one way. It's only going to go the way that it happens in the series, Mm -hmm. but you know, every fan has kind of their different idea of what they want. Um, That's why I think that something like Andor is a great step where, you know, we don't have that many expectations for the character of Cassie and Andor. Uh, We can just kind of go along for the ride. Something like the high Republic which is so disconnected, or the Acolyte coming down the pipeline. The stuff that is disconnected from all the legacy characters, I feel like I'm going to be able to just watch or read that stuff and be like, yeah, I'm just along for the ride and I'm learning new things, and it's not affecting whatever headcanon I had built up over the years. Mm. It makes me think of reading reviews online for just about anything, uh... Amazon reviews, restaurant reviews, just anything that you can, and the public can review online. Uh, chances are, if someone loved something, unless they're like a professional reviewer, they're not going to run to Yelp to post about how much they loved it. But if they hated it, they're going to want to tell everybody. Yeah. So it's the same thing with Star Wars. Yep. And hate just spreads like wildfire. <laughs> online uh and everybody loves to talk about the things that they hated about stuff so i don't know i think that there's just more of that out there i mean that's what george lucas said and uh, dave filoni said it really well at celebration you can find the clip online he was talking about it at uh the clone Wars season seven they screened siege of mandalore and they did like a q a and stuff but you know anger is easy anger and hatred come easy uh, whereas understanding and forgiveness and all that stuff is a lot harder. So yeah, the easy thing uh, winds up all over the internet uh, and you see less of the actual exploration and what, to, what the story is actually saying and doing, um, which, I don't know, we, we're trying to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's why Celebration is such a fun, almost reset. Uh, it, it doesn't make up for worst part of the fandom but it does remind you that there are tons of people out there that just love star wars and love everything about it they're just not on the internet all day typing out what they hate about it or love or whatever like you know we saw so many like families of people just there to celebrate star wars or to keep it focused on obi-wan a little bit like the day after uh everyone at celebration watched it it was just a constant, you know, going up to any other fan you wanted to and being like, what'd you think of Kenobi? 
And I don't think I heard anyone go like, it sucked. I hated it, whatever. Like everyone was just talking about, man, this was cool. That was cool. Um, here or there, you might get something that was just like, I wasn't crazy about this, but, and it was so much more focused on the stuff they were excited about. And then we got home and then I got on Twitter and I was like, oh man, <laughs> that, yeah, this is where uh, all that stuff happens. Ben asks why the Empire is keeping all those dead Jedi as trophies in the tomb. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, definitely the the big one right now. I for for right now, I think they are just trophies. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we saw the lightsabers that they have in like the what looks like a meeting room. Uh, so those those are definitely trophies. But to think about keeping like the dead Jedi that you've killed as trophies. That's so dark. Uh-huh. And they're not in carbonite. Oh no, we want to see them clear as day. Yeah. Exactly how we left them. I don't know what they're in, but it's terrifying. Yeah, just some sort of stasis chamber, I guess. So Ben throws out some ideas and I've seen these online already as well that it could be for cloning, it could be for experimentation or like trying to resurrect them, just like messing around with the Force and Metachlorians, what have you. And I'm like, yeah, all of that's on the table. I kind of think I don't want to know for right now because it's almost not knowing is worse because mm-hmm. we can make up way worse stuff. Sure. <laughs> it's kind of like Jaws where it's scarier when you don't see the shark and you don't know where it's coming from. It, that's the kind of thing that I'm thinking about right now where I'm like, it's just a horrible, grim idea to start with. And why are they doing it? I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. Well, because we know what the end game is with Palpatine and and all of his obsessions with cloning, that's probably uh, what it is. But yeah, I think just seeing it in its its early days, uh, it's just so creepy. And, you know, you don't have to think about what does it mean? It's just, it was just there to show us like, wow, this yeah. is this is dark. It's very bad. Yeah. Right now, I think it means nothing, but obviously it's on the table for it to mean something in the future if any storyteller decides they want to tackle that. I mean, could they still be alive? I I do think that's possible. We, <laughs> we started just like kind of talking about it quietly amongst ourselves, just mumbling and I was like, should we just start actually talking about this and presenting it? What if they're not dead? Teresa Nube is going to come. Frozen. Flying out of... <laughs> they're all just taking a nap like Captain America. I mean, America. maybe. They might just be in stasis. I don't know. That would be cool. They, like, got them all out and we got to see live-action Teresa Nube. Did one of those, like, uh, should we talk about this instead of mumble about sure, it? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they... I think they could still be alive. My first thought was like, oh my gosh, we could get a live action Tara Sanube because tragically, uh, he was in there. Yeah. I'm very sad about it. I think most likely for now, they are dead. I think that's what they were going for, but... They didn't... I mean, none of them had any like visible, terrible looking wounds, but that I feel like would go a step too far in the gore Especially category. if you're going to show a youngling. Yes. Um, so, so I get why there wasn't visible wounds it's possible that i feel like since we went to the fortress and have left it i don't think we're gonna go back but it's like we could get one of those cabin in the woods moments where someone hits a button (laughs) and all the jedi come out Mm -hmm. and they're like we're back and we're ready to tear this fortress down (laughs) 
um, that that's possible. It's a, it's a party now. Yeah. <laughs> and Tara Sanube is at the head of it all. Comes out swinging. Got his little saber cane. They probably they probably thought it was just a cane, so they didn't take it from him. Mm. Mm. Robert Bush wants to know if Obi-Wan told Owen and Baru about Leia, or did they just know about Luke? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say that they only knew about Luke. I think that's my guess. I think so, too. Uh, they haven't done or said anything that makes me believe that they knew about Leia. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it could go either way. Um it's one of those things where I'm like, the less people who know about Luke and Leia, probably the safer they are. Also, I could see uh, both Owen and Baru being upset that they split the siblings up. Yeah. And they'd be like, we're we're their family. Um, they did take family very seriously. And I really liked the way it was written about uh, in the recent books, Queen Hope, Queen's Hope and Brotherhood. Um they they were like fully on board to accept Anakin when he showed up in Attack of the Clones. They were like, you're Shmi's son. You're one of us. Like you are part of the family. And I think they would have treated Luke and Leia the same way. And to hear that they were split up, they they probably wouldn't have liked that. And to hear on top of that, that where Leia is, she's a princess <laughs> on Alderaan. Like, I, I mean, they love Luke, but they probably knew that he was going to have... A harder life than, you know, royalty. Yeah. So, ugh. Yeah, that, that's something that maybe they wouldn't have wanted Luke to know. Yeah. <laughs> Jedi Bosk asks if Roken knew Obi-Wan from before since he called him General. That was an interesting thing, and I definitely perked up when he did that. Um, so they suggest maybe Roken was part of Saw Gerrera's group, uh, and on Onderon and Obi-Wan helped uh, train them. I don't really think so right now. I think he is a new character who knows Obi-Wan's a Jedi and him saying, General, I'm sorry, is more of just like a, look, I respect you, um, but please leave. <laughs> <laughs> I respect you, but you're going to cause trouble. I mm -hmm. just know it. Um, yeah, I think they, they all kind of know who he is and like just... They're calling him what his title used to be. Um, it's interesting. I was thinking today uh, when I rewatched this episode <clears throat> and you see Obi-Wan being carried to the back to tank, there's a lot of people there. And if all of them know him as General Kenobi, imagine what's going through their minds seeing what Vader did to him and like what kind of shape mentally and physically he is in. Uh, they're probably like, ooh, that's not good for us. Yeah, I mean, not to mention they don't know this yet, but we know that there's a tracker with them. Like, they're going back to Jabim. The Empire's going to come, and, like, that's going to be, you know, maybe that's why he said general at this point, because Obi-Wan might have to step up and lead here in a second and be at the vanguard, the forefront of this fight, uh, and, and be their general, so... I, I could see that happening in the next week or two. Mm -hmm. On to YouTube questions. Lucas L. wants to know what Obi-Wan would have done after reuniting Luke and Leia if Alderaan hadn't been destroyed. That's something I've never really considered. Like, if Alderaan was still there and he was just like, you must come with me to Alderaan and they make it, would they just immediately start training? I, I kind of think so. That's so sad to think about the possibility that, like, cool uncle ben could have just 
lived out the rest of his days, retired on Alderaan. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the twins would have been reunited, trained together. Uh, I don't really remember why it felt like it became a choice uh, in like the from a certain point of view books where we see that Yoda wanted to train Leia mm -hmm. and Obi-Wan wanted to train Luke and had to convince Yoda that Luke was the one to train. It's like, why not train them both? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously that's because at the time uh, they weren't siblings in A New Hope and all that and The Empire Strikes Back. But Yeah, we, we could have gotten so much with, you know, we could have seen Luke, Leia, and Obi-Wan go to Dagobah to train with Yoda. Mm -hmm. That would have been so cool. I don't think Luke would have learned the the same lessons per se uh, or the the right lessons as he should have and did in the and what actually happened but yeah it's interesting to think about what would have been different that's i really like the, the closest thing i think we're going to get to that is something i remember claudia gray saying is it, it works now in retrospect it obviously wasn't meant to be this way when a new hope came out but obi-wan looks over right before he dies and he sees Luke and Leia together and he smiles and he's like, they're, they're back together. Everything's going to be okay. And, uh, I can become one with the force. Yeah. Maybe he, he, if he reunited Luke and Leia and sent them off to Alderaan to train, maybe he just would have disappeared. <laughs> All right, guys, peace out. Yeah. He just gets Luke and Leia together and he's like, goodbye. <laughs> I've done, I've done my job. I'm tired. <laughs> Rob Fisher asks who the Grand Inquisitor was in season two of Star Wars Rebels. So yeah, we saw in part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi that Vader telled, telled, told Reva uh, that the position of Grand Inquisitor is yours if you prove yourself. So it's a title that could get passed around. And then the Grand Inquisitor really does die in Star Wars Rebels uh, and is gone forever. So then we ha we still had the fifth brother, the seventh sister, and the eighth brother. Which of them was Grand Inquisitor? And I don't think any of them were. Yeah. Which the fifth brother was probably furious about. Oh, yeah. Maybe they just retired that position and got rid of it. It got absorbed into the company. <laughs> By that point in time, it seems like the Inquisitors were largely just a thing of the past like they had taken care of most of the jedi in the galaxy and then they were working on project harvester which is like taking force sensitive younglings and trying to basically make them the next generation of force warriors or not inquisitors but something new so when he died vader and the emperor were probably like i don't care i'm not <laughs> i'm not promoting any of you Last one left standing gets to be Grand Inquisitor, whatever. And then I, they all died on the same day. I got this figured out. So this is exactly what happens in the office. Grand Inquisitor is assistant to the regional manager. Right. It's a made-up title. Uh -huh. And they just give it to one of them so that they don't bicker and argue and go straight to Vader. They bicker and argue and go to the middleman. I don't want to have to deal with it. And that's why you have an assistant regional manager. Yes, it is. Assistant to the regional manager. Same thing. Honestly, I think you're right. Like, Vader is the head of the Inquisitors. He is in charge of the Grand Inquisitor, who then is in charge of all the others. But you're absolutely right. It, it is this title 
that is just another level of competition between Darksiders, and they're all fighting for more power, and it's like, okay, if I get to the level of Grand Inquisitor, then I'm in competition with Vader, and I can get closer to the Emperor, and if I take his place, then I'm in competition with the Emperor, and like, it's just, it's a multi-level marketing <laughs> pyramid of Darksiders. Pyramid scheme, uh-huh. yeah. And it, like, the whole empire does That's that. That's why holocrons are shaped that way. <laughs> the Sith holocrons are triangles. <laughs> uh... The the whole empire is like that. You've got so many different titles and ranks. And we saw in the episode today, like, as soon as you figure out that you outrank someone, you're going to bully them into doing whatever you want them to do, and they're going to do it. Yeah. that That's always the Imperial MO. It, not even the Darksiders, but in the military. It's just like, I outrank you, and I'm going to boss you around, and... All of the military people also want to try to step on each other to get to the top. It's it's the same across the board. I figured it out. I, that's the best thing I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> best in World 83 wants to know how Reva beat Leia to the end of the tunnel on Mapuzo in part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, yeah, so I think that there is a very hand-wavy reason for this. If you look down the tunnel in episode three... You can see that it branches off in two directions. So I guess Reva chose the right one. Uh, I don't know why Tala didn't take Leia down, down the shorter path. Or maybe she did, but Leia's got little legs. Yeah, couldn't keep up. And maybe uh, when Tala went back to go get Obi-Wan, Leia just dawdled. And maybe she stopped running down the path and she just kind of walked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about this and it's... It's kind of like, okay, is that going to ruin the show for you, really? But I thought about it kind of like, okay, Reva saw the Jedi symbol on the wall, got furious, you know, had some serious PTSD uh, triggering moments there, and that fueled the dark side in her. Maybe gave her like a little power boost, not for speed, speed but like speed (laughs) but but to just use the force to figure out the fastest route to find leia that's that's my like hand wavy explanation of that that she just was so angry that she was a little bit more powerful in the dark side at that moment to then find the quickest route to get ahead of leia yeah i mean i would say she's not even the worst offender of that in that episode vader teleports around i mean like everyone's making <laughs> never the, seen it though yeah we we've never or people are making the comparisons that you know he's like michael myers or jason where he's just a slasher villain and guess what even though they're just like casually walking after you they're gonna get in front of you and they're gonna cut you off so vader does it i was even uh watching back through some fallen order gameplay today because i was gonna do a video or i'm this will already be out i'm doing a video about the fortress and I was like, yeah, you run away from Vader. You you run forever. You go up a turbo lift, and he still gets in front of you. Like, that's just he knows a about, Star Wars-y thing. He knows about all the secret doors in the place, the secret secret passage passageways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Reva is the same way. You know, the, the Darksiders just get the ability to teleport, I guess. <laughs> they get they unlock the slasher villain ability in the force if if that's the kind of thing that's going to stop you in your tracks and bug you for the rest of your life 
you shouldn't be watching Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is always, <laughs> always, always about an emotional story first. Logic very rarely has place in it. Like, it's supposed to be a fantasy. It's supposed to just give you those gut punches. And yeah, like, I, I understand some people want every story to make perfect logical sense all the time. But like, Star Wars has always been goofy and fun, first and foremost, over making like the perfect, realistic choice every time. I think the only person that could give a answer for for everyone to believe is George Lucas. Like, if he came out and was like, "It's because I wanted her to beat her there," people would be like, "Okay, yeah, good enough for me, I guess." And I mean, that's he has <laughs> given answers like that before. Yeah, where he's talked about how there's gravity in space in my universe when I want there to be. Mm -hmm. So he's even like admitting to being inconsistent with gravity in space. He's just like, that's why he made it a fairy tale. That's why he put a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away at the start. Because he's like, this is a fairy tale. That's my uh, once upon a time. And I'm going to make up the fantasy rules as I go, because they don't matter. <laughs> Blink asks what our personal headcanon is for Yoda telling Luke he was the last of the Jedi, when that was apparently not the case. Yeah, that list is getting long of uh, Jedi who are around, but not really. And are they Jedi? Yeah, I guess a lot of it comes down to technicalities of like, I mean, Ezra is like a Padawan. And I mean, who knows where he is? And Ahsoka, you know, never graduated Jedi high school. <laughs> so she's technically not a Jedi, even though she fits all the tenets of one. And it's a bunch of technicalities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by the time we see Yoda on Dagobah in Empire Strikes Back, he's like a crazy old coot. <laughs> he's crazy and old and hilarious and he hits things and I, I don't know, you know, he he might legit think that, well, Luke came here and it's been a while since I heard from anyone, so it must be the last one. He's also on his deathbed at that point. So yeah, he might think he's talking to Quinlan Boss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, is that it, you? Who's that? <laughs> you look different. But really, I think that what he means is you are the only Jedi in this fight. Like, m maybe Quinlan Voss is still around. Maybe Cal Kestis is still around. But Luke is the one that is involved in the Rebel Alliance and the fight against the Empire and the Sith. So I think that's what he means is that, you know, maybe not you are literally the last Jedi in the galaxy, but you're the only one that we can count on right now. Yeah. I imagine there was a sense of urgency uh, in multiple ways for, for Yoda to get Luke to understand the importance of what he needed to do. Uh, and like, he, maybe he thought that Luke couldn't handle it uh, mentally if he knew that there were other Jedi out there like for his ego he needed to think that he was the only one or else Yoda was like Luke's gonna just like try to use those other Jedi as crutches and we can't have that right now we're on a deadline I mean I, like obviously I keep like pulling stuff back to Obi-Wan Kenobi but Obi-Wan uses the force for the first time in the series to catch Leia because he has to that's it's similar where it's luke you you have to beat the emperor 
because you are the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Yoda was trying to manipulate him that heavily, but maybe. And also, this is another thing that George Lucas, when he talks about his treatments for his sequel trilogy, he was throwing around the idea that Luke would go around and find survivors of Order 66 and gather them back together. So even George Lucas was like, eh, I don't know if he was the last Jedi, but like it's it's all still flexible. Mm-hmm. It was needed for the story at the time, but headcanon Yoda was just crazy. <laughs> That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.